Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. <coughs> well, hello, listeners. Today is October 6th, 2016. You all know I'm rarely speechless, but I really am today because our special guest, James Miller, is in the eye of the hurricane storm. In, he's currently in Palm Beach. Is that correct? That West is Palm correct. Beach. Yes, that is correct. And um, we are going to send him lots and lots of prayers because the storm is supposed that. to hit around around 3, 3 a.m. Uh, right now, yes. his time is 7 p.m. So we will get on with the show. He's a very devoted person when it comes to what he does in his life. <laughs> we'll call it that. <laughs> you know, as a licensed psychotherapist, um, he also is a piano composer, which is a fascinating combination. And what he has done is he's created a very successful practice. Actually, it's located in the Washington, D.C. area, and that's where he really wishes he was right now. At the moment, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but at any rate, <laughs> he created James Miller Lifeology. And what he does is he teaches people how to assimilate into the uh, – well, well, what is it really? You, you assimilate and, you, and there's pitfalls that you want to avoid sure. in life? In life? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, essentially, lifeology itself, it actually came from a literary term in the sense of we've all read about those really um, – those autobiographies or those biographies of people, very, very successful people. But lifeology was actually created in the literary sense of looking at the biographies of every single person. So what I did was I took that literary term that you would use, obviously in literature, and I actualized it to everyday life. And so it's something that we all have a lesson to teach. For example, I have a lesson to teach right now of what to do during a hurricane <laughs> or you know, all, these different types of, all these different types of things that people go through in life. There's always something that we can learn from. I want to be successful like that person. or I want to avoid that person's, um, the mistakes that they made. And, you know, for me being in private practice for so long, for, for over 10 years, I heard all these things when it came to my different, my clients, all these lessons that they learned. And, and for me, I thought, you know, there, there's such a wealth of, of a broad spectrum of all these different lessons that people have gone through. And I've been a part of that to help them through that. And so one thing I really, you know, that's really how the inception of lifeology was created during that time as I revamped my own life as well. Yeah. It's, it's really a, a fascinating career. 
that that you've you've um, transformed yourself Thank into. Thank you. I'm curious. Yeah, I would, how did? Sure. Um, when did you decide that you wanted to, to become a psychotherapist? Were you were you young and or were you um, in college or was it after? How how did it all come about? That's a great question. You know, I always had, when I was a young child, I, I always had people that were just come up and talk to me. You know, I, I was, I moved around quite a bit when I was a, when I was a boy. And so I would always be in a new school. I moved to many different schools. And I always hated the part where you had to go sit down at lunch because you just didn't know anybody. But all throughout those mm-hmm. times, even the random people I would meet would always come up and they would just ask me questions or talk to me. And so it was kind of a natural progression to be in that uh, in that field. However, it didn't really come about until probably my second year in university. <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually went into undergrad. I was going to be a geneticist. I was going to cure cancer and I was going to do all these amazing things. And um, But I ended up getting a really big music scholarship. And so I switched my major from engineering to music. <laughs> and then I, from there that I went and I um, the network progression for me, as it, as it turned out, I guess, was to go with psychology, a double major, psychology and Spanish with a music minor. And then so from there is how ah. the whole um, psychology came about. And then I was going to, um, I guess we're all, when we're young, we have all these dreams. I was actually going to go to New York or to L.A. and pursue, um, I had done some film and some acting and things like that. And I wanted to do some of those things, more of the creative arts. But I went back and I said, you know, I want to be able to, have something to fall back on just in case it doesn't work out. So I went and got my graduate degree and um, I never went back to the, <laughs> the other part of it. I mean, I did, I did now, I suppose, but at that time I didn't. And so years later, you know, maybe 15, 20 years later is when I've now um, started up my whole, uh, like I said, I, as you said in, in my intro, I, I'm also a composer. So I just finished my second album. So the whole progression for me, I mean, like I said, we all have many different talents and different uh, things we'd like to do in life. And so for me, I was able to do a lot of those, um, I just was blessed with the opportunity to do that. So I, I don't take that lightly at all. So I've been very happy about that. And then just a natural progression, uh, you know, being in private practice for so long, I decided, took a step back for myself. And I, I teach a lot about mediocrity and how to uh, kind of navigate your life through that, maybe figure out what those things are, where's the mediocrity, how to, how to measure that, and then what to do with it. And then so for myself, I just found at my personal level and my creative level, I wasn't really being challenged as much. So it was around 2012 is when I really started to formulate the plan of, okay, I don't want to necessarily do what I'm doing anymore or do that full time. What would it look like? And so when I created the Lifeology, it was in the birth of it was actually, I don't want to be in an office anymore. I don't want to be in a place where I have to go to, um, I have to go to the office all the time. I want to be able to do whatever I'm doing, wherever I want to be. You know, I want to be in the beach if possible. I mean, I wouldn't do therapy on the beach, but I want to be, you know, I can do whatever I want. And so that's really the foundational piece of how Lifeology came about. And, and then um, everything else kind of fell into place about that because I was like, I have all this content and what do I do with it? I, I was going to start, um, I said, started a book, but for me, I was like, I didn't have the attention span. So I created all these different, um, if you go to my <laughs> website, you can see <laughs> there's all these different YouTube episodes I had. So all those things were more natural for me as far as, because I talk for a living. So why not talk to everybody else <laughs> instead of having to write it down a long story, some type of book. Yeah. So it was in that, in that sense, it really, really worked well. Uh, so when I came down here to West Palm Beach and Believe it or not, the hurricane was not on my pros and cons list for coming down here. <laughs> so when I came yeah, down I don't here, think it was on your, on your bucket list. 
<laughs> not at all. Well, because I'm, I'm originally from the north, and so I've never been in a hurricane before. And so now um, now that will be on my bucket list. That's something I can say I, I survived this, and I will probably <laughs> write about it. <laughs> Maybe write a composition about it or something. <laughs> oh, my word. But it's, but it's what, been a wonderful what is, journey down here. It sounds like it. What is the name of your album, your music album? Has it come out yet? Sure. So the first, yes. So the first album is called Consolation, and that came out in December 19th of 2013. And my second album, Restoration, um, came out mid part of April of this year. And so it's kind of interesting because for me, instead of just writing how, you know, just writing a composition, I actually wrote it in a collection. So the way I write is, the first album is kind of like, we're actually both of me, think of it like a book. Each album is, is like, a, um, it's like a, book, a book format and each composition is written like a chapter in a book. So the first album goes to a person who's experienced grief and loss and letting go. And so it goes through the whole emotional spectrum of what that feels like. Um, and that is kind of like the, the catharsis for that person. And so that's why the title is Consolation because there's a healing, there's, a, there's an emotional uh, growth in that person. And then the second album is the sequel to it, and that's called restoration. So restoration, that whole piece is about the introspection, the enlightenment of that person as he figures out who he is and makes this change. It's not necessarily about me. Most people think it is. But it, it's, what I did was, once again, took lifeology and created all of these um, you know, with people who experience grief and loss. I really, um, in a clinical standpoint, I really watched them. What, 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 was the, what were the things that they expressed or what was the heartache they, they experienced? So when you kind of create the emotional constructs of that, that's how each of those compositions are written. So the second album, Restoration, oh, my, my, yeah, thank you. My, my connotation, my understanding of Restoration is someone who's restored greater, greater than what they were before. So when you, look at, mm-hmm. when you look at that person, they're stronger, they're more vibrant, they're more tenacious than they were before they had this awakening. And so when you hear that piece, it's actually a very dramatic piece. It's a very powerful piece. And so with this one as well, this, this album, goes through all of those, um, those emotional pieces as well. The first one starts with awakening and, and the, the end of the album is uh, beginnings. And so it goes through how a person just has this introspection, this awakening, determination, meditation. It's, it's just a beautiful, well, I, perhaps I'm a little biased. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful album. So both of those albums are actually available on all digital music stores. You can hear them on all digital music stations. Um, and you can, most people buy them off of iTunes. And my stage name is James S. Oh, great. Miller. Um, yeah, so that's something that people James, uh, any of your listeners James would like to James S. isn't Sam? Yes. James S. James S. isn't Sam Miller? Uh, yep, James Stephen Miller, yes. Okay. And so that is... Um, okay. Yeah, and so people can, if they want to go to my website, they can find it there as well. But it's, um, I'm very, very proud Wonderful. of those. In fact, it was interesting. A couple of days ago, I sat down. I, I hadn't really composed since April. And I mean, I've just moved into a beautiful new new place. And it was interesting to see what came out of me. The way I write, it's very extemporaneous or very, um, I just sit down and kind of close my eyes and that's what comes out. And it was interesting to hear what came out in that. It was just such a beautiful, tranquil uh, piece. And so uh, I thought, wow, that was, sounds like that's the beginning of my third album. So I'm excited to do that um, once things settle down here and looking forward to just get back on track. Oh, that's wonderful. It really is. You know, um, Thank you. You just briefly talked about how you created a YouTube channel mm-hmm. with life lessons for listeners that you can assimilate into your life. And then you also have your own podcast. Is yes. that a weekly podcast? Okay. So that's a weekly podcast. Sure. Now, I, 
I, from what I understand, you've interviewed a lot of people that have overcome some pretty big life struggles. Is there anyone in Correct. particular that has kind of um, um, sticks out in your mind? And if so, how how would your program help them? So that's a very good question. You know, the one that comes to mind, well, let me back up for a second. So my my YouTube episodes, I was doing those, when I first started, I did them every day, and then I went to every every few per week, and now I've kind of put those on hold. So I have 150 episodes with YouTube, and on my podcast, I'm on my 45th episode, which will air this coming Sunday. So it's every week as well. So what I do is I actually reverse engineer it. Uh, so let's, for example, Denise, let's say I'm interviewing you. I would we would talk about all those different components of of your struggles, how you overcame things, um, whatever that might be, because your life is is you're the expert of that. So you would explain that. And so the reverse engineering comes in in the post-production when I hear the interview, and then I extrapolate the, the, the most powerful theme that I hear out of that. And then I build the different segments around that. And so to answer your earlier question, the person that stands out to me the most, and I'll have to send her an email after this, I don't know what I'm talking about it, but her name is Mildred D. Muhammad. And she is one, an amazing, amazing woman. She was actually the ex-wife of the DC sniper that um, mass that was in a massacre in, I think it was in 2002 and to hear her side of it and all that went through uh, just the backstory of why all those people were were killed how she fit into that how the community treated her how even the professionals like someone like myself or someone in my field rather how they would take advantage of her and want to get book deals i was literally blown away to hear this woman's story and the resilience that she has so that particular episode is about resilience finding your own resilience now, granted, that, that is, a, is an example that many of us obviously are not going to go through, but that resilience itself mm -hmm. and the lesson I extrapolate from that is just talking about the only resilience that we have, whether it's um, just in a moment to, to handle traffic. And that's, that's a really, really base example. But to be able to things in our life where we don't think we can move beyond, we don't think we can push beyond that. And so that particular episode focuses on that. So there, uh, I have the beginning, I, I plug my, my music, I have... Um, some type of story that's like a, with a moral, and then I do my lesson, and then I do the interview, and then the outro. And so that's about my show. So it's between 30 to 40 minutes. I'm actually going, um, working on syndication, so I've had to lower it a little bit to 28 minutes. But uh, that is the direction of the show. And so, Mildred, if you're listening, <laughs> I just want to tell you how amazing I think I definitely um, would on all my shows. I think all my, my guests are amazing. But to answer your question, she would be the one that stuck out to me the most. And so um, she's one of my earlier shows, actually. I think she's like the, uh, don't quote me on this, the maybe the 12th or the 13th episode. So if you go to my website, you can click on my podcast and you can hear that one as well. Okay. That, that would be, I think, very interesting for um, our listeners so they can get a better grasp of, of what it is. Sure. And um, that you do. Because I haven't um, had the privilege yet of, of hearing one of, of yours, but I will. Mm -hmm. And you interview the person, but that's privately, and then you take yes. excerpts from that, and then you you put it together into a show, which is a tremendous amount of work. Well, you know, when I it first really started, is. it was a lot of work. Yeah, and then I've gotten I've gotten much better at it, um, and so I, I've my my speaking's gotten better, and I, and a lot of my, the people that, whom I interview, they speak very well also, and so that it makes the show easier. So I actually take the full. The full maybe 20, it was a 30-minute um, interview for them. Now I've condensed it down to 22 minutes, 
And that is the full show for their interview, rather, and then the other parts of the segment that I have. So it's been wonderful. I've been so blessed to meet so many amazing, wonderful people. And that's, that's the whole premise of the show is everybody has a lesson. So I have some people that are well-known. I have some people that aren't well-known. But that's the whole point is we all are mm-hmm. – there's a, there's a, we're all, inter- we're all uh, connected in so many ways. And so I love the fact that's that right. someone that you would randomly see on the street – could has an amazing story to teach us and then someone of course you may see on tv Mm -hmm. or or read about they have an amazing story as well so that's what i love so much about this show is everybody anybody could uh that has a has a story could potentially be on my show let's talk about uh symmetrical living ah thank you for asking symmetrical living is something i coined uh sometimes people think symmetry what does that mean you know so symmetrical living is essentially living a balanced life and so what I mean by that, because we've all heard many people talk about that. So that, that theme is not new, but what's different is often many of us don't live our life in a symmetrical way. Think of a bodybuilder or someone that goes to the gym all the time. We've all seen that person who has a really big upper body and then they have like really small little legs. And you look at that and you're like, well, that doesn't True. make sense. I mean, how does <laughs> how that, that make sense? So I use that as, as a good figure, um, an example of that people may not be able to see all the components within us. But when you are overbalanced, if you're overreactive, if you're too logical, and I'll, and I'll get to that in a second, or you're too spiritual or too up in the clouds or you're too, um, um, or you don't move as far as kinetic energy or just exercise in general, when you're underbalanced, you're overbalanced in some ways, you're not going to be able to live the most proactive life. And so the whole context of symmetrical living is being able to live your life in a proactive way where anything that comes your way, you are able to overcome. You are able to find your resilience. You're able to find the reframe to move yourself to the next level of what is going to happen in your life. And I really train people to do it in a proactive way. So you look at a spirit, the spirit, mind, and body. Think of, a, think of obviously, a triangle. And um, think of an arrowhead. So let's think, so when someone shoots an arrow, uh, the, the triangle, which is the spirit, mind, and body, when it hits something, it can actually penetrate that. And so anything that it hits, it can penetrate it because all three things are working together. But let's say you only use your mind and your body. And so that's more like a straight line, a very blunted edge. And so when it hits something, it's just, it will, of course, it will hurt, but it will just fall. It doesn't pierce or penetrate the way that all three components that we were given um, help us move through whatever we're struggling with. One of the things that people often think when I say spirit, they think, well, I'm not religious. And that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Uh, The spirit, my body, for example. So your spirit, the way I kind of measure that or talk about that is, when someone's spirit, that's the part of them that gives them the intuition. That's the part of them that gives them that gut feeling or that part of them that just something is off. They can't really put their finger on it. That is the spiritual part of it. Now, the second component of that is people who have a connection with a higher power. And for me, my higher power is God, but that, the high, I don't tell people what their higher power is. They can, whatever that may be, if it's a universe, collective consciousness, God, their family, um, Gaia, whomever that is, that's not for me to, to determine. But whomever that may be or whatever that may be, the more you're connected with that entity or that higher power, the more successful you'll be to have that, that faith or that hope that when things look so dire, for example, right now, <laughs> right now here in West Palm Beach, <laughs> you can call on that intuition, that hope, that regardless of what things may look like, that hope and that faith that someone has can, can bolster their confidence to say, all right, um, when I'm overwhelmed, my faith and my spirit will rise up and help my mind be more logical to be able to say, okay, now what are the things that I need to do? What are the things I need to prepare for? What are the things in my life right in this moment that logically I need to do? 
And then the body parts, and I actually break the body down to two parts. You have the emotional body, and then you have the physical body. It's really interesting. The way it works in psychology, it's not me at any time because I can talk all day. Uh, so the way it works in psychology is the, the equation, if you will, is whatever our belief is, our perception is about a situation, it determines what our thoughts are. Our thoughts then tell our emotional body what to feel, and then our emotional body tells our physical body what to do. And so that's why it's so interesting, because if our, that spiritual part of us, that part of us that either gives us hope when there seems to be no hope, or that part of us that is connected to something greater than ourselves, that becomes a foundational piece. So that's the belief system. So if my belief system isn't there, I haven't really developed that. Well, all I'm going to do is just look at something with my, with my eyes, and that then creates all the logical thoughts or irrational thoughts in my mind, which then tells my emotional body what to do. Sometimes people will freak out. That's often why you see people overreact. And it tells my body to react in a very anxious way or a very violent way or a very uh, kinetic way as far as people pacing all the time. And so that's why it's so important we have all those things, all three things together, that the belief system with your spirit determines the uh, the perception that your mind has, which then tells your body, your emotional body to act a certain way, and then your physical body to do something. Well, how do you get all those three synchronized? If, that if, is a if great one question. one of them is out of whack, if one of them is out mm -hmm. of whack, how do, how do you get it back? Well, you know, one of the main things is with with lifeology, I teach people to be proactive. In everything we do, we have to plan for it. We have to build for it. It's just a simple thing of saying, "Am I overreacting right now?" I'm really big with scales. My clients, I always talk about scales with them. So on a scale of one to 10, let's say the situation warrants a reaction of, let's say a five. But if I react at maybe a level seven, well then the, the, two, the two degrees that are different there, there is something else that's happening there. And usually what happens is our perception is slightly off. In, our, in psychology, we have what's called thinking errors. In other words, a thinking error is essentially the lens that you kind of look through your thoughts, which then determine your perception. So that's why if the spiritual part of us is aware of what's happening, it gives us that hope to say, you know what, James, you're struggling right now, but it's not always going to be this way, or this is just an isolated incident. So if I don't have that ability to do that, then that thinking error, there's actually 15, 15 common thinking errors, will kind of be, will become the lens of how, how my thoughts and perception develop. And then that's why we have the overreaction, and that's why people will, will respond in a certain way. And so the, the thought process is so important because that's the mind, that's the logical side of us, and then the body reacts in tandem or in kind with whatever the thoughts are. But in order for all three components to, to work together, that spiritual part has to be developed. And that's how someone can live a very proactive, successful life because they will not be overreacting. They'll be able to have that balance. And so that's one of the biggest things I tell people is if you find that you're overreacting and perhaps a really large situation or even a, a smaller situation, well, then your, your, the three components of a spirit-mind-body connection are actually not working in concert the way they could be. Mm -hmm. So if there's 15 common thinking errors, mm -hmm. what do you do with those? How do you, how do you correct those? <clears throat> is it a process that, that is learned through your, your counseling? Well, that's something that people can learn if they go to counseling itself. One of the big things I do, and like I was saying earlier, my biggest proponent is being proactive. Um, when, you when you develop 
like in the morning for myself, if I have my devotional time or my spiritual time, and mine is going to be different than everybody else's. We all are, can condition ourselves to develop that spiritual part of us and whatever things make sense for us in the morning. So for me, if I have that awareness, I create stillness within myself. And I don't mean this in a very mystical way, but stillness is essentially just sitting down and, and either meditating or just contemplating different things in your life. And so when you can find that stillness, that is how you then start to have that internal barometer to say, wait a minute, I'm reacting in a way that's a little greater than what the situation warrants, or this doesn't feel right, or I'm uncomfortable with this. It's really interesting because often, I think I said this before in in the earlier interview, it takes about five to seven Uh seconds for your logical mind to override your spiritual part spiritual minds. But what happens is that spirit can actually communicate. And I don't mean that once again, a mystical way, but just that intuition can then be felt through your body. You know, sometimes we have this, this discomfort or this feeling in our gut or, you know, people say, I don't know what it was. It's just a feeling. And that's really their spiritual part talking to your body. I use that word talking very loosely, uh, but the, the communication part of it, because if our logical mind is, is so cerebral and trying to figure things out, well, sometimes we just miss something completely. And so that's how when you create that stillness, that is how you can then, um, when you find that your body's starting to, you know, your heart rate's starting to increase a little bit, that is where you, you, when you are aware of that right away, that's how you can stop yourself from going to those thinking areas. Because if I find for myself that all of a sudden my heart rate increases just a bit, I can immediately say, all right, something's going on here. What's happening? And it may not even be anything I'm aware of, but there's something that's happening in my surroundings that I subconsciously have picked up on, and it makes me, it makes me very uncomfortable. So that's when you can find that stillness because that's when you feel it. But if you don't feel that, mm-hmm. then those thinking errors are just going to run right over, and all of a sudden you're going to react in a way that, you, that were not healthy for you. So one of the things, I, in fact, I actually did a YouTube episode, and I actually wrote an article on it. Uh, on thinking errors. Okay. So you can go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and you can read that and also see the YouTube episode. But what it really does is, so the thinking errors, like I said, that's really, it skews the perception to such a degree that are, there's just an overreaction. So anytime someone has, um, there's, there's discord between two parties or more parties, or just even within yourself, a thinking error has been invoked. And so it, it's quite interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's how we know if, if we're kind of off, off kilter. But when you can create that stillness in the morning, and whenever, I guess, makes sense for you to, to work on your spiritual part, but that stillness will then help you immediately say, something is off. I'm reacting away, or my body's responding away, or I'm having these, these thoughts that just don't make sense. All that comes from your spirit to say, that gives you the intuition to say, stop, reflect what is happening. And that is when you can make a proactive decision. And that's a big thing, you know, like, like I was saying before with lifeology is it talks about how to be proactive in everything you do. Now, it's the goal. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. we're, always, we're always able to do it, but the goal is that. And when you can practice developing all three things, that is then how you can live a very successful, powerful life. How, how do um, personal goals intercede into mm-hmm. this? Personal goals, you know, there's there's many ways in which personal goals can be um, like a daily goal or it can be a, you know, a five-year goal or whatever that might be. The point is, is that the more personal development we have, the more successful we will be. I can't become the person I want to be if I'm allowing my environment or allowing my thoughts or allowing my body or whatever to distract me from my goal. For example, if people come up to me and say things um, that just have nothing to do with me, but if I get caught up in that drama or I get caught up in those and what they said, or I, I start to gossip as well, or I, I get caught up in the minutia of whatever's happening, that all of a sudden doesn't allow me to take all the energy and move it towards my goal. In fact, the, um, the episode I have um, on my podcast came out this Sunday, 
It's on committing to your dream. And I talk about that as well as the, the personal goals that we have and, and the struggles that we have as far as maintaining focus because there's so many distractions in this world that can easily pull us away from those things. And so when we don't create that stillness and also kind of push out those things in our life that are not important, then our personal goals will not be able to be completely f- fulfilled or holistically fulfilled because our, 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 our energy is, is divided. I once heard it said that divided waters lose force. And so that's the same thing. The more energy you have in multiple things, the more difficult it's going to be to, to fully press through to complete your goals. And so that's why with, when it comes to your mind, you can only fill your mind with the things that are, are healthy. If you're watching, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If, if you're watching you know, some of these reality shows that have so much negative energy and yelling and screaming, there, I'm not saying anything about them particularly, but when, whatever you allow into your thought life becomes your thought. Whatever you allow into your body, you know, you are what you eat essentially, becomes part of your body. Whatever you allow into your spirit becomes part of your spiritual part. So if all three components are only, are not, aren't fully working in tandem, you're going to have a part of you that's lagging. And it's not going to be able uh-huh. to keep up. So that's why it's good to have, uh, to continually have these things in balance. You know, I, I find for myself, if I'm struggling with something, I really, I really stop and say, well, where is it? Where is, because if I'm struggling with something and I can't, and I can't find hope for it, or I just feel really discouraged, well, that tells me that I must be struggling in my, that spiritual part of me, or I haven't really developed that, or that, in that day it wasn't really developed. So I stop and think, well, what did I do? Did I, was I fully present when I was, um, engaging in whatever my spiritual components are, or was I, was I kind of distracted or did I not get enough sleep? And so you can kind of put all those things together to figure out, well, where is it kind of, where's the struggle? Is it your spirit that you just maybe weren't paying attention or, or you weren't really, really thoughtful in what you're doing? Was it your body? You didn't get enough sleep or you're just not feeling well, or even is it your mind? Have you have, a, are you thinking about things that really aren't pertinent? You know, with the other thing, going back to the scales is I often, in fact, in one of one of the segments I do in my show, I break it down to two scales. It's, it's really three, but the two, three scales would be in a scale of one to 10, 10 is the best you feel, one is the worst you feel. I have my clients break it up into those three scales. Let's say, for example, I wake up today and on a scale of one to 10, I'm feeling about a seven. And so I'm feeling really good, but on a scale of one to 10, you know, I wake up in a bad mood. And so what happens is we often lump, lump together the lower scale and say, well, that's just how it's going to be. If I'm in a bad mood, then that means I had to lay in bed all day or I can't encourage myself, or I can't do anything. And it's really not the same, because when you can compartmentalize them and separate those three things, those three scales, you can realize, well, I may be in a bad mood. Well, that's unfortunately my choice, but I can still get up and go to, go to the gym. I can still get up and run my errand. I can still do my spiritual part of us. So the point is, is that when you can really break it down and say, just because one part of me is struggling, doesn't mean the other two can't pick up the slack until I get, can get my life back in balance. That, that's a really, really great point. Do you personally have like a calendar where, you know, every hour of the day is kind of mapped out or do you just pop up in the morning and you know you have specific appointments and you go from there? I'm just curious. Sure. The way I typically do it is, you know, what, what, well, how we actually teach my clients is we all use smartphones nowadays. And so when you can randomly set an alarm on your phone to have a, per, have a personal check-in. So I can set an alarm for two hours from now. And all of a sudden I'm doing my thing. And if my alarm goes off, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, let me check in. So I do those scales, those scale of one to 10 for my spirit, my mind, and my body, because it really helps me see where I may be struggling. Because sometimes when we go through uh-huh. life and we're so quick to do things, we don't realize that we have now pulled in all these different feelings and thoughts and, and concerns throughout that day. So it's, it's a really good way to kind of purge ourselves from 
from those feelings. And so I can do that personal scan. If I'm feeling angry or anxious or I'm just tired or I just, I just am feeling discouraged, well, then that just helps me say, okay, well, where did I lose it? Now I'm going to reset myself, get myself back on track, and now I'm going to reset myself for the next let's say, another two hours. And that's really helpful for people to have that ability to then check in because when they do that, it then gives them the proactive stance of saying, well, I don't want to feel this way anymore. Now, there's a difference between we all have a reaction. So if I were to come up and startle you, of course you'd be startled. But if you hold on to that fear for the next hour, well, that doesn't make sense, does it? So the point is that there's a time yeah. that's the initial reaction that we have, and then it becomes our choice to feel a certain way. And if I, if I stay angry for a long period of time, well, then that's my choice. So the initial mm-hmm. reaction we have is very normal, but three to four seconds after that, then it becomes our choice. And so uh, throughout the day when we don't realize that we've kind of put all these different feelings, all these different thoughts into our mind and body, well, then what we're doing is then we're going to hold that onto the next time, you know, say the next venture or the next meeting that I may have at work. Well, then all of a sudden I'm angry with people, then I come home, and then I'm really angry when I get home. And the point is I could have let all that go. So when you can have these check-ins, it really helps you then say, well, where am I struggling or where, where am I doing really well? Because it always has to be bad. Where am I doing really well? And I'm really proud of that. Let me make my next two hours or my next five hours even better. For me, I've done this for so long, uh, and I'm not, I'm not perfect at it because I'm human just like everybody else, but I've done this for so long that my day always starts the same way. You know, I've been very blessed to have perhaps a different schedule than most people, but my day starts out the same way. It always starts out um, just for for me, it's a, it's a half hour every morning with my spiritual side. Um, it's an hour and a half okay. to the gym, and then the rest is all through work. And so for me, I have that built in all the time, and that's just how I immediately start my day. And so for me, I found that, that that schedule works well. Now, some people want to say, well, James, I don't have that ability to do that. That's absolutely fine, but you have to figure out what makes sense for you. Your life is different than my life. Mm-hmm. We're all, we have to mm-hmm. manage it ourselves. And that's why structure is so important when it comes to this, because the more structured you are, the more successful you're going to be. That's, an, that's really interesting. You know, it's an interesting comment. Yeah. The more structured you are. And that's one of the more things that people struggle okay. with. Exactly, because that's where people struggle at times because, you know, when, I, when it comes to treatment plans for my, my, my clients or when it comes to just goal setting itself, we often miss the mark because we set up these goals that inadvertently we're going to fail. And people forget that these tools are to help people succeed. They're not to cause people to feel overwhelmed. It's not caused to help people feel, feel shame or guilt. And the point is you set a goal that, that's just a little out of your reach and you're able to accomplish it. But the problem is, is that when people's, their schedule is, for their day even is so jam-packed full of things, well, then they feel like they have to do all of that. I actually have a time – in fact, I just talked about this in my show that's coming up on Sunday. I, I actually have for myself uh, – like today was, it was a down day for me. It's, it's been a long time since I really had you know, a moment, just two or three hours just to do mm-hmm. nothing. And so for me, I built that into my schedule of, all right, I have two or three hours. And it doesn't matter what I do. It's free time. And whatever I feel like doing, I'm going to do. And so I really call that a structured, unstructured time to essentially say it's part of my schedule, but I don't have to figure out what I'm going to do. Just in that moment, I'll figure it out because that allows the freedom to say, you know what, what, if I feel like taking a nap, I will take a nap. If I feel like reading a book, I'll read a book. If I feel like going outside, I'll do that. And so that part is so important to have that downtime that's not as structured, but it is still part of your, of your day because that allows people to just kind of veg out and kind of have their body, mind, and spirit, just kind of find that stillness and reboot once again. I completely agree with you. That's pretty much what I ended up doing this weekend. 
And it's just <laughs> amazing because just just for today, you know, I ended up, you know, picking up our interview process with you, and then in like two three hours, I'm going to have an art lesson over Skype. And they were oh, things fun. that just weren't in they just weren't in my schedule today, because I had yeah. nothing in my schedule. <laughs> yeah, other yeah, than exactly. Specific things that I needed to address, but really, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. What a great yeah. day. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, it is. I mean, and it's fun because we're often so, so busy that, you know, I often have clients on the weekends and they say, James, I just can't, I just can't, I just have to lay in bed all day. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But once again, if, if your weekend just become, if it becomes a lifestyle of just laying in bed all day because you're so stressed out at work, well, then there's not a balance there. And that's how we always have to find if we overcorrect in some Mm -hmm. way, then their spirit, mind, and body are not working in concert together. You know, that ability to say, that spirit part that says, James, go to bed now. You know, you, you have a long day tomorrow, and then my mind would be mm-hmm. like, oh, but I want to watch this television show. Or my body may be like, oh, I'm just anxious about this. But the point is when we can really hear that gut thought or that feeling that says, all right, be more mindful of this or be more careful of this, that is what kind of gives us the, the ability to say, you know what? I'm pushing myself a little further than I am, than I should in this moment. I'm going to take a break. And so that's why that spiritual part really comes in. When we can listen to it, it keeps us safe. That's one of the things that I really like people to understand is that spiritual part, that, that gut feeling or, or that intuition or whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it, that is specifically there to keep us safe from moving forward. It, it causes us to say, wait a minute, James, something's off here. I and mean, if I run right over it with my logic, well, then, of course, unfortunately, there are going to be natural consequences for that. And some, you know, that I have to deal with it, whatever they may be. Mm-hmm. When you, you talked earlier about goal setting and that mm-hmm. um, a lot of people set goals that are out of their reach. How does that, I mean, how could you, you um, develop a plan for yourself where you will be most mostly successful. Obviously, there's always things sure. dependent on other things. You know, you've got all these variables, these independent mm-hmm. variables and these dependent variables. But on the goal setting, let's just say, for instance, somebody says, ah, I'm so stressed out with my job that I, I just I stay in bed on the weekends, like you were mm-hmm. talking about. What do they do in their goal setting process so that they can change that? Well, what, that's a good question. One of the most difficult things that everybody has when it comes to goal setting is figuring out the time. If I'm going to change something new in my life or add something new, where am I going to fit it in? And the problem is, is that people, they create the goal and then they immediately implement it and then they feel like they failed. Did you know it actually takes 62 times to do something before it becomes a habit? Before we used to say it was like 21 times, it's actually 62, 62 or 64. And oh my the point gosh. Is, is that, I know. That's why so many people fail. In fact, I wrote an article about why your New Year's resolutions typically fail is <laughs> because within the uh-huh. first three weeks, people, um, they try it and then they just, they stop. And the problem is, is that the goals themselves can be too great or, but what I find the most is where am I going to fit it in my schedule? If my day is already incredibly booked, well, where am I going to fit? Because most people have like a fitness goal. If, if, I, if my day is incredibly busy, well, then where am I going to fit this 30 minutes of the gym, which then also probably goes to an hour because I have traffic and then I've got to change, I have to shower. Mm-hmm. So people don't figure out the, the goal setting has to, before you even implement the goal, is when am I going to do it? When is an ideal time? And I need to figure out when it's going to happen, not how well I do the goal. It's just when can I fit it into my schedule? And when people don't do that, that's when they link together. Um, they, they try and they feel like they fail. So what I tell people, the first three okay. months, 
figure out when you're going to do it. So, for example, if you're working so much and then the weekends you can't do anything, well, the point, if you feel you can't do anything, well, then the point is, is if you feel your house isn't, isn't clean, well, that's, that's an example, then what you do is instead of going for, um, instead of trying to complete the goal, what I have them kind of switch it up and say, all right, my, my success for this goal for today, if I'm laying in bed all day, is I'm going to set my, my timer for 20 minutes, and in 20 minutes, I'm just going to clean my house. So the goal is not, did I clean all of my house? The goal is, did I complete the 20 minutes that I had, I had signed up for myself or that I had scheduled? And so when people, because, uh-huh. for example, if, if someone's house is completely a wreck from they've been working so much and haven't been able to do anything about it, well, then that whole idea of I have to clean this whole house today, I mean, that's just daunting. And so nobody wants to get up and do that. that so that's why, yeah, for example, that's yeah. why I say, Set your alarm, you set your timer on your smartphone once again for 20 minutes. Get up and do as much as you can for 20 minutes because you actually completed your goal. The goal was do everything in 20 minutes or what you can in 20 minutes. And that allows people to have a reframe because often people bite off more than they can chew. And that's kind of going back to the mm-hmm. goal setting of I'm going to do all my whole house. And if I've been tired all week, I don't have the energy to do it. I'm not going to want to do it. And so I'll put it off and put it off. And then all of a sudden, it's Monday again, and I haven't done it. And so then you feel badly about yourself, and then you start <laughs> up in the whole minutiae of life. And it's, it's frustrating. That's great. Yeah. So we have That's to look great. at a different yeah, idea of – Yeah, and it's actually really doable because you could do so much in 20 minutes. I'm randomly throwing out a time frame there. But you can do so much mm-hmm. in that, and, and you feel good about it. And then also with my clients, they say, you know, I did it. In, I, I set my life for 20 minutes, and I thought, you know, I, I did a lot. Let me do it for another 20 minutes. And pretty soon, they've actually accomplished their goal. And so that's one of the things we have to look at a different version of success. It's not the full goal, but it's, it's uh, taking small pieces of it, which then eventually gets you to the goal. So it's either the schedule, you can't fit it into your schedule, and that's why you struggle. Or the other part is your, your goal is greater than what you're able to do in that moment. And that's why people get frustrated. Does this work with someone who suffers from depression? Yes. So I have a lot of clients um, who, who, ha- who do suffer from depression. Um, so what we typically find, and well, there's actually five different versions of depression, but um, for the most people, the one that most people think of is just kind of down all the time, um, lack of energy, lack of motivation. Um, we have what's called anhedonia, which is a fancy word to basically say uh, no longer enjoy the things that they, they used to love. And so with someone that mm. is struggling with depression, they, um, they're, they're not going to want to do these things or just don't have the energy to do it. So that's why you set the actual tasks, uh, the, the time actually shorter. Let's do something for five minutes. Okay. Do something for 10 minutes. Or you go, you know, if you, don't, if you don't want to use your phone or use an alarm, then you say, I'm going to tackle this drawer in, this, in, my, in, my junk, in my junk drawer. Or I'm going to tackle this corner in my room. And so when you're able to compartmentalize it to something that's palpable or manageable, they're able to do mm-hmm. it. And then once you're able to do that, then it kind of bolsters them because that task completion is really good. And that's what can kind oh, of pull great. people out of, out of some of their struggles. And just this is a little, a little tangent right here, but what's really interesting is your environment is going to determine really how you feel. It's, it's kind of a mirror. So if you look around your house or wherever you're, you typically are, if it is, if it is kind of a mess or you, we all have our, our own version of our own um, barometer level of what's t- considered tidy for ourselves. And if you look mm-hmm. at it, and if, if the area, if it's not as tidy as it typically would be for you, well, that's a good indication that things are out of whack for you. 
And so what I often tell people is if you're struggling to maybe change some of the things inside of you, if you clean up your environment or put your environment back into the order in which you mm-hmm. typically have it, it actually conversely or transversely rather allows you to put your emotions back. And so that's one thing why your environment is so important. That goes back if your mind sees something that's out of, out of line, out of balance, we note it. But it, it actually creates a form of, of chaos in our brain. And so that chaos then is in our environment, and we live in that chaos, which then translates to our body, which then translates to our spirit. And so that's why all those particular things, um, your environment is going to determine how successful you are. So even at work, if you're struggling and you look around your office and your desk is completely untidy, well, tidy it up. That will help you have clear mm-hmm. thought. That will help you have the ability to, to function and to focus better. If you're struggling um, – in many different areas, it's a good barometer. At times, I can come home, and I, I can look and see, like, I have, I have laundry that I need to fold or dishes in the sink. And for me, I'm a pretty tidy person. For, so for me, if I see those things, I immediately stop and say, all right, what's going on, James? And so I'll do one of those little scans, and then I determine, oh, wait, I've just done really busy. That's okay. Let me do it now. Or other times, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm right. I've been in a real, I've been in a very, really upset lately. And so it's, just, it's a good indication to say, all right, let's just be proactive. Let's do this now because I know the benefits of putting things back in order, how it works for me and how it works for other people as well. I, I, I just really like that <laughs> suggestion. I, I yeah. do that all the time, but, but I'm a little bit different in that uh-huh. when my schedule is so, so busy, the only way that I can kind of, um, de-stress is by mm-hmm. like cleaning out my um, inbox or tidying something up somewhere because oh, yeah. it doesn't involve me having having to think. I don't have to think. Yeah. I'm just kind of like on autopilot. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what's actually really interesting about that, and I feel like I'm being very tangential here, but there's what's called um, eye movement desensitization or reprocessing, EMDR. And so what we actually do in our, in our field is we have um, – so the way the brain works, when you split it in half, there are two hemispheres. And one hemisphere right. controls one side of the body, and the other one controls the other side. Mm-hmm. And what we don't realize is right. when we do tasks, um, and we are just, if you're just quiet, we're just either driving. Most people find this the most when they're driving. They think about all these things, and they, um, one thought leads to another thought, which leads to another thought. And pretty soon, they're thinking about something that happened to them as, as a child. And so what, when we do those types of things, like what you were saying, you, know, you don't have to think, it's interesting how your subconscious puts things back in order because when you use both hands and movements like that, you're actually processing in a way and kind of putting all your thoughts and emotions back in order without actually having to do it or speak it aloud. And that's actually really, really ah. uh, therapy for people who experience trauma because spoken word therapy, or talk therapy rather, is only goes so deep with someone. So if you use this type of um, – uh, treatment that's EMDR that actually helps people who have trauma then go through maybe five or six sessions and it really gets helps them find closure for themselves and so it's interesting for me like when I play the piano I often use that technique because I'm, I'm more aware of it and how I'm able to do that because when I play it helps kind of pull all my creativity together as I kind of use this process of, of how that works and understanding of how it works to allow for a full creative moment experience for myself I took a uh, an entire semester at college in dance therapy, and oh, that's wow. pretty much what it was all about. That's what it was yeah. all about, was, um, you know, helping people with issues, um, mm-hmm. even some of the disabled. Yeah. Same, same it's concept. Really, it's, 
Yeah, and it's such a powerful concept. And I think that's why sometimes people forget, like, you know, obviously talk therapy is great, and that's what I do for a living. But there's so many more components to help people. And so when people can really understand for themselves how to, how to move their body, how to use their body, how to use their mind, how to use your spirit, all those things when they're either done separately and then corporately, it creates a wonderful experience. Like in, the, in fact, in my um, in the academy that I have in my on my website, um, any of the listeners can go to my website and they can take the class in the academy. And my, the kind of the flagship class I have there is the Spirit Mind Body, the Perfect Triad, and that's what we're talking about today. But I have, gosh, I probably have like maybe 30 videos that they would watch, and I have different um, worksheets that they would do. And what it does, it actually goes through all the, the components of of each three things. It helps. It gives ideas of how to practice this. Um, I go through what's called diaphragmatic breathing. I help kind of explain all those different things for the body. I help with the mind to come up with many, many ways to, to inspire the person and with the spirit. I kind of go through a really long way of people not only define their own intuition or discover that, but also if they have a higher power, how to become more in tune with that. And it's not, like I said, it's not a religious thing. It's just ability for people to find well, that. Exactly. Uh-huh. And so it's because it's so important because once you can you know, once I incorporate this for myself, my life transformed. Once I have my clients do this, their life transforms. And so it's, it's such a great tool for, uh, for your listeners or for my listeners as well to take this course because it's, it's, very, it's very exhaustive in the sense of it has so much content that people can take it at their own leisure. Um, and so they, they can just sign up for the class there, and, and um, it takes them through uh, the, the portal that I use, which is Pathrite. And in Pathrite, they, they'll take the course there. And um, so it's a wonderful course. I definitely recommend because uh, I only literally just got to – we're only able to talk a little bit about this. But it is a wonderful course that's very exhaustive for everyone to, to take and to learn so much about themselves and, and how to incorporate all three things together. Oh, that's, that's great. So, listeners, you can find his course at www.jamesmillerlifeology.com. Uh, I'll spell that. It's L-I-F-E-O-L-O-G-Y.com. Perfect. How can people connect with you outside of um, your website if they'd like to consult with you? Sure. Well, if they want, if they'd like to consult with me, actually, right on my web, website, I have a, a link that's con- for consultation. Okay. You just simply fill that out, um, and then it shoots a link directly to me. Um, I don't have any gateways or any portals in which uh, that people would okay. would read that. So it would, be, it would go specifically to me. So I, I consult great. as well. So I not only thank you. Not only do I seek. Um, I still, still go up now again. I'll see clients up in D.C., for example, this, this tomorrow I'll be flying up there. And then down here as well, I consult with different companies to help them kind of revamp their life, their work culture their, um, with their employees. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with people on a, on a personal level down here as well to help them accomplish their dreams as well. Um, and so I'm, I'm actually <laughs> – this is really interesting. I'm, uh, my long-term goal is to have my own talk show outside of my podcast. And so I'm actually working uh, – I'm going to be speaking with some – some people about working on my, my pilots within the next two months. So it's very exciting, very exciting time for, for me and, um, and how all that's going to happen. So the format essentially would be kind of like my podcast, uh, but of course I'd be doing it in, in person and as opposed to on the radio. Oh, that's wonderful. Just wonderful. Well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. I think you bring a lot of value. Well, James I Miller, thank, thank you, you so much for joining. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm glad you're safe out of the storm. And yes, thank um, you. I look forward to you joining us again. Thank you. It was such a pleasure to be on your show today. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. 
We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?